Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. We're going to read this morning um, from uh, one of my favourite books, which is the book of Proverbs. Do you like the book of Proverbs? Yes, it can be quite um, challenging at times, the book of Proverbs, and I'm hoping this morning will be challenging for us, challenging for you as it has been for me. And we're going to read from Proverbs chapter 12, um, and we're going to read just a few verses from Proverbs chapter 12, verse, starting at verse 12. 12, 12. Proverbs 12, verse 12. The wicked cover the catch of evil men, but the root of the righteous yields fruit. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. And this is my key verse here, verse 14. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, fruit of his words. And the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who who heeds counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The truthful lip shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joy. No grave trouble will overtake the righteous, but the wicked shall be filled with evil. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the hearts of fools proclaim foolishness. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Amplified says, a cheerful word picks us up. The righteous shall choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. And lastly, in the way of righteousness is life, and on its pathway there is no death. And uh, God will bless uh, the reading of his word. And I've entitled... Uh, this morning, what's on your screen, hopefully, uh, the F word, which maybe is a bit challenging to, to some of us. And uh, I don't know if you ever had a preacher talk on the F word before. And uh, I'm not particularly thinking of talking about the F word that you're thinking of right now. I'm looking at words that are even worse than that. 
See, we can get very religious on, oh, no, never say that word, never say that word, but we're saying all sorts of other F words, which I'm going to go into later. Um, and it's not F for Philippines, by the way. <laughs> I know it's a P. Um, so uh, so uh, we're going to look at this. And uh, I always pray that as a church and as individuals, and certainly me by myself, that we learn by revelation and not by the way of tribulation. That we learn by revelation and not by the way of tribulation. And what I mean by that is that we actually learn through somebody teaching us or through God's word or through our prayer life, through our worship line. We learn by revelation and not by tribulation. Most of us learn by tribulation. We stick our hand in the fire and we think, I'm never going to do that again. But we had to stick in our hand in the fire the first time just to, to see if what mommy or daddy says is right. And often in life, as adults, we continue on as adults as we were as children, we stick our hands in various fires and think, why did I do that? And we learn by tribulation, not by revelation. God's Word is here for a purpose, and certainly the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And so we need to learn by revelation, not by tribulation. The key verse I said on the way through our reading was, uh, was uh, uh, a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, with the fruit of his words. Every single, single one of us, lo and behold, is a fruit tree. And I've said this recently. And we bear fruit. And just as a tree bears fruit, and when the right time comes, it falls to the ground. When we bear fruit, we do bear fruit, and the fruit is dependent on our lips, on our mouths. Good fruit is sweet, it's delicious, it's nutritional. Bad fruit is sour, it's bitter, it's twisted, it's rotten. What sort of fruit comes out of your mouth? And your lips, my lips, my mouth. Have you ever thought what philosophy you live by? Did anybody study philosophy when they were uh, much younger? Anybody studying philosophy? No, okay. Sir. Have you ever thought what philosophy you live by? Well, one of the ways to determine what philosophy you live by, there's two particular ways that I watch, but one way I'm going to look at this morning, one is by what people spend their money on. Tells you what their philosophy of life is. Another way is to listen to what they say, because that gives away their philosophy. And it's the speaking that I want to actually look at this morning. There's a Chinese proverb, so it must be true. It says, if you wish to know the mind of a man, listen to his words. And I guess that goes for ladies <laughs> as well. We all take, or many of us take, a tablet in the morning. And maybe some in the evening, whether it be vitamins or blood pressure tablets or cholesterol tablets or painkillers. Um, we take uh, tablets in a sense, I pray that we would be tablet-free 
Debt-free and tablet-free is probably a good uh, way to live. Rudyard Kipling says, words are, of course, the most powerful drug used by mankind. The most powerful drug used by mankind. Because words can be vital, they can be important, they can be exciting, they can be exhilarating, they can be creative. Words are incredible things. And my words this morning can do a number of things for you. They can excite you. I was reading, um, a friend of ours who lives in Clitheroe has just written a book, and I was reading, or I, was, I really got it for Susan, but as I, as most preachers skim books before they give them away, <laughs> way to people, and I was reading this, skimming through this book uh, the other day, and she was telling the story of uh, uh, when they took their company to the stock exchange, and they went public, uh, and uh, her husband went down to London to the stock exchange to see the company launched. And he said to her, I'll phone you from the stock exchange when I know what the company uh, goes for, what the initial, the, the phrase is the initial market capitalization, that's the technical term, <clears throat> for their little company that they'd started him and her. And he phoned her. And uh, he knew that where she was, she was in the factory and the rest of the, the workers were there. And they were very keen to know what the initial market capitalization was because they, as a couple, had promised the workers they would get 10% of whatever was raised. And so they were very interested what this amount was going to be. So he phoned her and he said some words over the phone and the funny thing was that the initial market capitalization was 136 million pounds. Large amount of money. But she heard 136,000 pounds. So he was communicating to her amazing news. The company has gone into the stock exchange for 136 million. And she shouted to the workers, we have raised 136,000 pounds. And they suddenly thought they had 13,600 pounds to divide amongst about 50 or 80 of these workers. The truth was that it was 136 million pounds. Words can excite you or they can depress you. And she, he heard her say, 136,000, and he shouts down the phone, million! And she says, oh, sorry, sorry, million. Words excite you. But words can depress you. Words like, I'm afraid there's nothing we can do. Words like, I'm afraid we can't help you, Mr. McVicker. Words like, the x-ray is not good. Words like, it's worse than we thought. Just words, but a totally different reaction. They can excite you, they can depress you. Words can motivate you. Team talks. The team goes in at half time and they've played like a bunch of losers in the first half. And there's a team talk and a bunch of words, maybe a few F words, are said at half time. And suddenly this team come back out for the second half, whether it be football or rugby or whatever it is, and it's like a different bunch of men. Why? 
because they have heard words that have motivated them. The Bible is like that. Susan was talking about picking up your Bible. The Bibles and God's promises motivate us or should motivate us. Jesus' words. He was the Word. He is described as the Logos, the Word, spoke the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, Father. And the Word was God, the Son. He was in the beginning with God. Jesus is the ultimate Word. He's eternal. He is the first Word and He's the last Word. He, he has had the first word, and he will have the last word. He had the first word in your life, and he will have the last word in your existence. He has the first word on life, on politics, on relationships, on business, on you, yourself, on your family. He has the first word and the last word on 10 Downing Street, in the House of Commons, Houses of Parliament, House of Lords, Buckingham Palace, the White House. The presidential race, he has the last word. He has the last word on relationships, on your husband, ladies. He will have the last word. He will have the last word on your wives, your husbands. He has the last word on your sons and on your daughters. Last word on your grandsons and granddaughters. He has the last word. He is the word. He is the alpha and the omega. For God so loved the world that he gave the Word, his Son. God, the infinite God, so to the infinite degree loved the infinite motion, emotion, the world, the infinite deficit, gave his only Son the infinite sacrifice. He gave him, he gave us the Word. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh to speak truth to you and I. I'm going somewhere with this. Some of the ones said, Please, God, make my words today sweet and tender, for tomorrow I may have to eat them. Make my words today sweet and tender, for tomorrow I may have to eat them. This week... I was given this piece of paper by my sister-in-law and brother. And uh, this piece of paper is a piece of paper that I wrote on about 53 years ago. And I didn't know of its existence, and I didn't know anything about it, to be fair. And it's written on a very old piece of paper from 1927. So I, <laughs> I was not around in 1927 or 37 or 47. I had just arrived, just 57, just. And so I wrote this 53 years ago, which would be um, at 1963, 1963. And many of you know, because I've told you from here, that I became a Christian when I was seven. I was pressurized into the decision by my sister, who's going to pressurize you next weekend, um, when I was four. <laughs> 
But uh, when I was seven, I made my own decision that I would follow Christ. And uh, so I was given this. And when Elaine, my sister-in-law, told me about it, I was desperate to get my hands on it to see what I had written. And this is what I wrote in my own uh, seven-year-old scrawl. One time a baby was born, and that was Jesus. And he grew to be a boy, and he grew till he was a man. And he went to the cross and died, and died for the world's sins and for my sins. Jack McVicker, age seven. That is precious to me, because I'd always thought and knew that I'd give my life to Christ when I was seven, but here I have the written evidence. <laughs> and then alongside it, it says, one plus two equals three. <laughs> two plus two. <laughs> two plus two equals four. And, and so forth. See, words are powerful. And so I, I thought to myself, you know, for any of you with young children, and they've made a decision for Jesus, tell them to write it down. Because one day... 50 years later, somebody will come and say to them, I found this in the drawer, and uh, this is for you. So words are powerful. These words are part of the proof, written words, declaring a truth that Jesus died not just for the world, but he died for me. Our words set the agenda for our lives. See, the words I wrote there set the agenda for all of my life. Life is gone and life to come because life is short. And so we need to learn and watch what's actually coming out of here, our mouths. It's time to speak up and not speak down. It's time to speak positive and not negative. Time to speak forwards and not backwards. Time to speak truth and not lies. Time to speak blessings and not curses. Time to speak love and not hate. Time to speak encouragement and not discouragement. It's time now because time is sifting away. I have something here, and I will use this by way of illustration. And we have it at home in my office. And you all know what these are. And it's not an egg timer, but it, but it can be used as an egg timer. And uh, I want to show you this because it illustrates something. This at the bottom is our lives. This which is running through is life as we are enjoying it right now. I have covered this because that is your future. And none of you know, and I don't know, although I can peek it behind, to see how much is left. Isn't that important? Isn't that challenging? That's gone. That's gone. In one sense, you can do nothing about that, apart from ask for forgiveness, which if you're a Christian, you have done. That's dealt with. This is coming through. This, we don't know how much to come. So it's important what we are saying and speaking. I'll put it there. 
Let's hope it doesn't run out. <laughs> I'll suddenly collapse. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happens when you become a Christian. So F words are offensive. Somebody said the F word to you, you'd be thoroughly offended. But God's offended when we use some F words too. And it's not the one you're thinking of. He's offended when we find fault, especially in Him. He's offended when we show fear. When we deal in our flesh, when we fantasize about what life would be like without God, or fantasize about what we could do, when we're fighting, He wants us to dwell in unity. He wants us to deal in faith, not particularly in facts. Well, the facts of the matter are, no, 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 no. What, I don't want to know what the facts of the matter are. I want to know what God's saying. I want to know what I can believe in. Fear is not from God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Flesh. God is never happy with flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. For those things are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Feelings doesn't feel right. I don't feel good. I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like. I don't think Jesus felt like going to the cross. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, Jeremiah says. Who can understand it? Failure. Another word, if you're a Christian, don't keep telling God what you've done wrong in the past. If he has forgiven you, F word, he doesn't want to hear your failures because he's forgotten them, been cast away. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And many people live and they die with these F words. They live in fear because of their flesh, with failure. So they live in F frustration. They find fault. They depend on fate. Well, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. They have fantasies like the lottery. Seem to be fighting with everyone. Life's not fair. Anybody ever said that to you? Life's not fair. It's just not fair. It's not fair. We must have fair. We must be fair. And then we realize God's not fair. Did you know that? God's not fair. He's not fair. You might know that. He's not fair. Matthew 20, if you read that story, the story of the farmer who hired some laborers. You remember the story? Put it in a modern context. A, hammer, a farmer went down to the job center, hired some laborers, and said, I'll give you 50 quid for a full day's work. So he took, them, took the initial lot on. 
then realized I need more workers. So he went back to the job center a few hours later and hired some more and said to them, I'll pay you the right money at the end of the day. A few times through the day, he keeps going back and forward to this job center, getting more and more people and saying, I'll pay you what's right. So they went and worked for them. And then at the very last hour of the day, he nips back to the job center and there's a few there and he says, come and work for me and I'll pay you what's right in an hour or so. And they went with him just for the last few minutes, as it were. The end of the day comes, he goes round every worker and he gives them 50 quid each. You've been there all day, elder brother. And this guy's just arrived for five minutes and he gets the exact same as you. Is that fair? No, it's not fair, we would say. He should only get a fiver, I should get 50 quid. In fact, give me some of what you're going to be giving him. That's fair to God. It's not about money, you see. It's about salvation. I've been a Christian most of my life. I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven. And then somebody gets saved on their deathbed. Forgive me, Father. I didn't know what I was doing. I want to trust you. Today you will be with me in paradise. Well, has he got a good enough paradise that I've got? Same as me, or better than me, or worse than me? God's not fair. So stop saying it's not fair. Let's be fair. God's not fair. We used to have this argument, as Susan and I, with the children when they're young. Want to be fair, Susan would say. It's fair. It's fair. I said, God's not fair. <laughs> He's not. It's not, it's not to say we shouldn't be equal and give them what's theirs, but God decides. And so when we say to him, it's not fair, he says, I'm not fair. I'll dis- depose and dispose as I, see, as I see it's right. And that's the grace of God. That actually, the grace is undeserving. You don't deserve the 50 quid. You didn't, enjoy, you didn't deserve the job in the first place. You certainly don't deserve it for a few minutes' work. But that's the God that we serve. That's how he thinks. And it's possible for us to think in the same way as God. You ever thought of that? <laughs> we can think the same way as God thinks. Instead of thinking in a fleshly way, we can think the same as God because we are told to have what? The mind of Christ. And when you have the mind of Christ, you are thinking how God's thinking. And we get the mind of Christ by speaking and thinking, thinking his thoughts and saying his words with Scripture with declaring truth about God, with praying. There are other F words that we should be using. Words like faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. It's the currency that God uses. He uses faith in his interaction with you and with I. He uses another word 
F word, which we all know, freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. He said, you know, uses another word, favor. And favor ain't fair, <laughs> as T.D. Jake says. Favor ain't fair. God favors one, but sometimes he doesn't favor another. Future. God has given us a, F word, he's given us a future. He's told us to be fruitful. It says a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his words, fruit of his mouth. And so we should be using the right words, because if we are, we will be fulfilled. Another F word. If we are faithful, the more we speak the right words, the more we stand by those words, the more we see them come to pass in our lives. Unfortunately, many of us talk a load of rubbish. We do. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul's saying to the church at Corinth, You might not think I was a brilliant preacher, but when I spoke, things happened. Because my words were powerful. Our words should show the power of God. A guy called Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who was in, lived in the 18th century, he was a German poet, a novelist, and a dramatist, said, Every spoken word arouses our self will. That is so true. Every spoken word arouses our self-will. And if you get up in the morning and you say to yourself, I don't feel well, I don't feel well, I don't feel well, I don't feel well, I really feel horrible, I feel well, I don't like, I don't want to get up, I don't like him, I don't like her, I don't this, I don't that. I don't. You are reinforcing by every statement something in your life which shouldn't even be true. God always lets me down. God never, God won't answer, he'll answer his prayer, but he won't answer my prayer. God's so long, and I've asked him and I've asked him, he'll never do it, he'll never do it, he'll, and he never will do it. <laughs> he never will. We need a renewed mind so that we can speak renewed words, so that we can have a renewed life, so that we can have his renewed presence. And every morning we wake up with fear and with feelings and we feel that we are a failure and everywhere we go we find fault. We are having an F-minus day. We are because we are just going through the motions, reinforcing our negative mindset over and over and over and over and over again. And that, when we reinforce it, like anything, when you reinforce it, it becomes a stronghold. That means it's an area in your life which is strong and has got a hold on you that's a stronghold. But when we say words like, I walk by faith and not by Sight. You're saying, I'm believing God rather than what's in front of me. 
freedom. Where the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Favor. My son, do not forget my word, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Do not forget my actions. No, don't forget my word. In the beginning was the word. Future. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths, your future. God's first instruction was to be fruitful. Be a good fruit tree and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Blessed is she who believes, for there will be a fulfillment of those things that will toward her from the Lord. Fulfillment. When we believe God, when we act in faith and not fear, God begins to fulfill what he's promised us. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Proverbs 28, 20. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where we walk by faith, not by sight. See, I'm giving you words to live by. And some of you, this is going against the grain because you've, you're so used to living negatively and nothing ever happens here and nothing will ever happen here and I'm always going to be the same and it's always been the same and this and that and negative, 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 negative. And when somebody starts speaking positive, it's like, whoa. Don't like this. That's how I am with somebody speaking negatively. Susan will tell you this. It just goes so against my grain. It irritates me when somebody says, I can't do this. Who says you can't do it? Who says you can't be it? All things are possible. I think all means all. Doesn't mean if you get out of bed in the right way. He says, all, all things are possible to him who believes. So why do we use old language, soulish language, worldly language, negative language? You watch when you go into the office or anywhere you work tomorrow or a university or wherever, you listen for all the negative words that people say. Oh, I don't feel well. Oh, it's, it's, I don't like this lecturer. I never liked her. I never liked him. This is all my kids drive me mad. All the time. And we're in that circle. But we have to learn to break out by using positive words, life sustaining words. Because our circumstances and our lives don't know which way we're going. Because sometimes we're, uh, God's good and God's blessing me and God's for me and we come to church and we sing some songs and we sing words. That's just speaking in a sense, as if you're tone deaf like me. You're just speaking good words and suddenly at the end of the service or even the end of the worship you feel, oh, I feel a lot better. Why? Because you've said truth. Not the rubbish you were speaking on the way here when you were arguing with whoever you're in the car with. <laughs> and so, so our lives get confused. 
Our situations get confused. Our future doesn't know whether to give us a positive reaction or a negative reaction. It's like if I called a taxi just now and I said to the taxi driver when he turned up outside, I'll say, take me to Preston Railway Station. That's where I want to go. And then he says, okay. And then he sets off and I say, no, 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 sorry. Take me to McDonald's. I want to go to McDonald's. And then he says, okay, we'll go to McDonald's. And I say, oh, no, hang on. I don't want to go to McDonald's. I want to go to KFC. Okay, I'll take you to KFC. I say, oh no, actually, no, don't have time for that. I want to go to Manchester Airport. Forget the station, forget McDonald's, forget Kentucky. I want to go to Man- Manchester Airport's where I want to go. You see, that's how we're speaking in our lives. And the driver doesn't know whether, whether they're coming or going. They don't know what you believe. We don't know what we believe because we're saying one thing one minute and we're saying another thing another minute. Eventually, the tax guy was going to say, hey, guy, make up your mind. Where do you want to go? Make up your mind and tell me through your mouth where you want to go and stick to it. <laughs> and stop giving me confusing instructions. It's true for your body. True for your mind. True for your husband and your wife. The world... And your life, and it's still going, is waiting for you to decide where you want to go, what you want to achieve, who you're going to trust, who you're going to depend on, who you're going to live this life that has been given as a wonderful gift that you take so much for granted, and I take so much for granted, another breath given to me as a gift from God. Who knows when the last breath will be? Who knows how much sand is at the top of that? Who knows? You don't know. He knows, but you don't. You don't. And so that should determine how we live. Because one day, just like that, we could be in his presence and give an account for the sand that's drifted and sifted through and we've wasted and we've told the world just how horrible God is and how the the unfortunate thing is sometimes the most positive people are outside of the church and not inside the church we should be the most positive people around because we have a loving father who says you can't lose you cannot lose even if you lose you win So when we pray, we pray to our Father in heaven, and we don't use words like failure and fear and how we feel. We talk about faith in him and his faithfulness to us and the favor that he's got in our lives. So often we pray, and it's almost as if we walk away from our prayer room, our prayer closet, our prayer Whatever driving the car, whatever we're doing, and it goes through your head, ticker tape right across here. Well, I hope so. I sincerely hope so. I wish I just wish it would happen. I hope it works. We'll see. All the best. And these are like sandbags on a hot air balloon that are holding it on the ground. God's currency is faith. He's looking for us to be abandoned to him in faith. 
trusting only him. He tells us the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We are righteous, but is our talk righteous? Is our speech righteous? Is our words righteous? In other words, if Jesus was sitting next to you in the car on the way here or in the car on the way back, or as you speak to people, or as you criticize others, or as you speak negative confessions over and over again, if Jesus was there, would you have the same words coming out of your mouth? To him, they're swear words. How can you be fearful when you've got God himself on your side? That's basically saying, my problem's bigger than you, God. You can sort some problem out, but you can't sort my problem out. Our words need to be fruitful. Matthew 12 says, For every idle word men may speak, they will give account for it in the day of judgment. And we think that's, well, we shouldn't have said that about him and her. But I see idle words as not fruitful words. Non-productive words. Our words should be fruitful. For by your words you will be justified. And by your words you will be condemned. Words are so important. John Lancaster, who I was telling you the story about him and his wife, was brought up in school and said, you will never amount to anything. Nothing. You will be a failure all your life, John. You will be a failure all your life. And everything he touched when he was in business was a failure. Until one day he decided, you know what, I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it God's way. And Ray, my late brother-in-law, gave him that advice. Stop choosing your way, John. Start choosing God's way. And suddenly, he's phoning up his wife and saying, 136 million. You understand? What the teacher said to him was false. What God said about him was truth. Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe what man has said? or what women have said, or what teachers have said, or what doctors have said, bless them, are you going to believe what God says? Because God doesn't see failures when we put our trust in him. God looks for faith. He sees us as family. Family might do things that irritate you, but they're never failures in your eyes. Never. Never. And you're not a failure in God's eyes. He's just saying foolish things. And when we become a Christian, a practicing Christian, a radical Christian, F becomes for family, freedom, future, favor, faithfulness. So not, stop using the other F words. Stop feeling the other F words. Stop living in fear. Start living in faith. I want us to say some uh, scriptures just as we close this morning. Time is nearly gone. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The fruit that you have in your life today is as a result of what you've said in the past. Okay, let's do it. 
Okay, I will then. Let's do it together. Let's go there. Let's do words affect your future. Life and death, God says, is in the power of your tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. So let's declare life. So let's make some truth statements. If you can uh, say after me like we did last week, that would be brilliant. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I will be strong and of good courage. I will not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord my God is with me wherever I go. We boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. God is for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment is condemned. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment is condemned. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads me with benefits. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads me with benefits. I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he adds everything I need unto me. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It is God's will that I prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. Everything you've just repeated after me is a scripture in God's word. Every and so therefore it's true. It's truth. It's truth. So what you've got to do is find God's truth in God's word and say it back to him. And say it to those around you. And most importantly say it to yourself. Your biggest enemy is not your next door neighbor. Or your boyfriend or your wife or your girlfriend. Your biggest enemy is you. Because you're defeating yourself by your own tongue. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Lord, you've come and you've hired us, whether at the beginning of the day or whether at the end of the day, the beginning of our life or the end of our life, whether we've gone missing and, and work halfway through our lives, whether we've taken time off and we shouldn't have taken it off, I thank you, Lord, you're not fair. 
I thank you, Lord, your grace is sufficient for all of us. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we will discover a truth this morning, that the power is in our tongue. Life and death, the power of life and death is in our tongues, what we are saying. Like a rudder guiding a great ship. And so, Lord, we've often, Lord, we've gone on the rocks because we've been saying nonsense. Help us to speak truth, Lord Jesus, to ourselves, to those around us. Thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. So I speak peace into our lives today, Lord, that we can trust you. Whatever we're going through, whatever we shall go through, whatever weapon comes against us, we can trust you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that the, the future will always with you be better than the past. And so, Lord, we look to you this morning. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to continue to do. We thank you for the future that you've given us one, that you have given us a future, and we can trust you with it. In Jesus' lovely and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.